Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. You're listening to the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. And this week, we're talking all about choke tubes. We're going to be talking to Scott Carlson from Carlson's Choke Tubes. We're going to walk you through patterning your shotgun and selecting the right choke tube and kind of what goes into the uh, production and processes of uh, producing a choke tube. This episode is also brought to you by On Hickory Creek down in central and southeast Kansas, Dive Bomb Industries, and Toe Tags LLC. Welcome to the Foul Front Outdoors Waterfowl Podcast, where our goal is to recruit and educate new hunters while entertaining the rest of you. Without new hunters and the mentorship of those more seasoned, this passion as we know it faces an uncertain future. So get the word out, turn the volume up, and enjoy the show, because you're on the Foul Front. Now, I wanted to explain to you guys a little bit um, what's going on. What's the new thing? What's this Waypoint Podcast Network? So, um, banding up together with uh, uh, some other content creators and podcasters from the Waypoint Podcast Network. And we're going to be coming together to spread the word about conservation, keeping this way of life going. If you're not familiar with Waypoint, they've got they've got quite a few uh, television shows, uh, streaming television shows that they, they put on. Uh, a lot of fishing, a lot of hunting, and there's some really good gun dog stuff in there too. Really excited to be working with bigger names in the industry, and we're going to be having them on quite a bit and doing a lot of collaboration, and there's there's some other really great podcasts uh, that are going to be coming up. So remember, you can still find Foul Front right where you find it right now, uh, but you can also find it on the Waypoint Podcast Network. All right, folks, uh, without any further ado, let's get into this week's episode. All right, today uh, we've got a special guest on today. Uh, we have Scott Carlson, uh, the owner and founder of Carlson's Chokes Tubes. Uh, hi, how you doing today, Scott? Doing great, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Ah, absolute pleasure. So uh, let's see here. It's Carlson's Choke Tubes, pretty big company in the choke tube uh, industry, at least uh, you know upon Googling. And I think most any uh, serious waterfowler probably owns one of your choke tubes. Well, well, we hope so. You know, we've been doing this since 1987 uh, uh, when we started the company, and and mainly it was for waterfowlers and and turkey hunters trying to develop tubes that would throw a better pattern than conventional chokes like flush mount chokes that come with your guns. So that's kind of what gave me the idea and 
I've got a gunsmithing background, which drove it. So I uh, put the two together and somehow landed upon chokes and trying to get shotguns to shoot better. Yeah, well, I, I suppose before we get into, uh, you know, Carlson's choke tube story, we, we should probably hear the the story of uh, Scott Carlson first. Um, how did uh, how did you come to be a, a hunter? Well, I, I grew up in a family of, of hunting um, in rural Nebraska, you know, so we, when I was a younger kid, we squirrel hunted. That's what I learned hunting was squirrels with a twenty two rifle, and um, then, you know, as I grew older and was able to get around and drive, you know, you know, we were right on the Missouri River, so terrific uh, waterfowl opportunities there. And, you know, that was back in the 70s, so that was before the advent of the choke tubes as we know them now. So everything was fixed choke guns, and back then I didn't think much about it, and back then we didn't have to shoot steel shots. So we just did a lot of hunting and that type of stuff, and then after I got out of high school, I went, uh, to a three-year college for gunsmithing. Uh, my dad had a gun shop, and he was a vet, uh, large animal vet there in Nebraska. So anyway, I had an interest in the gun side of it, so went to college and uh, got out of there and did some gigs around the Midwest, managing different uh, retail stores and managing gunsmiths and kind of got more of a love for shotguns than I did for rifles, although I still have a passion for rifles too, but uh, that kind of just led into the, the choke side of it when I got to where I am now in, in, in northwest Kansas and Atwood, Kansas, and then started experimenting with using these longer choke tubes and getting better patterns out of shotguns. So that's kind of the short side of the story, I guess. Awesome. Do you remember your uh, your first waterfowl hunt? Uh, actually, I do. It was with my dad, you know, and back when we waterfowl hunted in the uh, 70s, it, it was totally different than it is now. You know, we didn't, you know, on the Missouri River, we just, you know, we didn't put blinds up. We just got in cattails and uh, pretty much along the river at some point where there was a good spot that, you know, it's so high tech now, but... Uh, yeah, I've got a lot of great memories up on the Missouri with hunting with my dad, and he's the one that got me started. He wasn't a big waterfowler, but he liked to hunt. And so depending upon the day, you know, what was going on or what time of year it was, you know, sometimes we duck hunted, sometimes we deer hunted. Uh, but, you know, up in that part of the world, up by Yankton, South Dakota is actually where I grew up. There's so much waterfowl opportunity up there with that Missouri River. It's just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Where the Nibrera and Missouri meet kind of area? Yep. Yep. Just about 20 miles from Nibrera, Nebraska. That's right where the Nibrera pours into the Missouri River. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, not, enough, there's not enough words um, or postcards that can be uh, sent out about, about that place. That's a, that's a beautiful part of the country. Yeah. Yeah, it is, and a lot of a lot of waterfowl travels through there. Although the flyways moved a little bit since I was uh, in high school, and you know, there's not near the waterfowl there now. Although it's still very good, it, it's not near what it used to be years ago. But uh, still a neat area. Anytime you can get you know around a river of that size, or two or three rivers coming in at one area, I mean, you're going to have a lot of hunting opportunity across the board. So. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the uh, 
you know, the first waterfowl that you put down? Yeah, it was a redhead, actually, and I think you could only shoot one of those back then. Um, but that That's the first duck I ever remember shooting. That, awesome. You know, we shot a lot of uh, mallards up back then up there. That That's what we mainly came through were mainly mallards. Yeah, you know, you get some redheads. They're, they're not too many pintails or ducks like that, but... Um, if I'd have been more into waterfowl hunting and knew more about it, you know, there would have probably been a lot more opportunity with setting up blinds and doing that because, you know, a lot of guys did that. They were a lot older than I was. But, um, you know, back then there there just wasn't the equipment and the knowledge. Uh, actually, now there's knowledge at your fingertips. But back oh, then yeah. it was all kind of trial and error. So uh, what what kind of what kind of gun were you using back then? Uh, my first shotgun was a 16-gauge 870 pump shotgun, full choke. Standard, right? <laughs> yep, yep, Wingmaster, actually. Awesome, awesome. Do you remember kind of the uh, the equipment that you and your dad used uh, up there? Yeah, it's, it's like I said earlier, you know, it, it wasn't so high-tech back then. We didn't have all these crazy camouflage patterns and... Uh, you know, we bought a lot of stuff from a company called Herders. Yeah. Um, it was just pretty much old school camo stuff that everybody back in the day thought, you know, was just the stuff you needed to have where you look at it now and you go, you know, what were we thinking? But, you know, we, you know, we didn't know any better, but, you know, there wasn't the internet and all that stuff where you could look things up and find different clothing and stuff. You know, most of it was done you know, out of magazines or what you saw. So Herders was a big company back then, really up and going before uh, Cabela's and, and Bass Pro really took off anyway in that part of the country. Right. Do you remember what kind of decoys um, and how many of them you guys used? Uh, you know, I, I really don't. Flamboo sticks out in my mind that that's, that's what we were using, but... And we didn't use a lot of decoys back then. It really didn't take a lot of decoys. I mean, and sometimes we didn't even use decoys. I mean, really, you had so many. Oh yeah, you had so many ducks, and you know, certain times of the year, you had so many ducks moving up and down that river all the time, moving on and off of it. Um, you know, if you were in the reeds along the the bank and you just had a call, you could, you know, do fairly well. So, um, man, that would be nice. Yeah, no, and it was, and you know, I've hunted since there. I've got a good friend that lives up there at Springfield, South Dakota, and he's got a boat now that we got all decked out and um, go up there and hunt. And you know, there's a lot more pressure. There's a lot more hunters, and the main thing I notice is there's not near the waterfowl in that area. And that's why I say I think that flyway has moved, uh, possibly maybe a little more west than what it used to be, and. Um, and, and the flood four or five years ago on the Missouri River made a big difference. Took all the sandbars and everything out, and took all the reeds, took all the cattails, took all that stuff. So yeah. that river's changed a lot in the last four or five years. So you graduated out of high school up there, and then you said you went to um, gunsmithing school. Yeah, I went to gunsmithing school in Trinidad, Colorado. You know, back then there was three or four in the country. Uh, it's kind of the one that I identified that might suit me best. So I spent three years in Southern Colorado. What, uh, 
what inspired you to get into gunsmithing? I just always had a love for for guns, I guess. Uh, my dad had a gun shop, and I was always in there cleaning the shop up or helping customers. And, you know, I'd work on something I wanted to work on when I had the opportunity and uh, just had an interest in in working on guns. Really didn't know what else I'd do or wanted to do. So I thought I figured that was a good place to start. So that's what I did. Awesome. So coming out of uh, Trinidad, Colorado, um, you said you kind of moved your way across the Midwest there, um, working at some retail stores? Yeah, I worked at a uh, Fin and Feather store in Omaha, uh, Nebraska. I had my first job actually uh, here in Atwood, Kansas as a gunsmith in a small gun shop that was here. And then the last job I had before I moved back here, there was a company, Wichita Arms Incorporated. We manufactured silhouette rifles and pistols. And that's the last thing I did before I moved back to Atwood again and, and then started this up. So, Yeah, so tell me about how did you go? from, you know, working for someone else to telling yourself, okay, I'm going to start Carlson's Choke Tubes. What did that process well, look like? Well, I didn't. That process didn't really happen. It probably happened more by accident because I had a small gun shop in Atwood, Kansas for oh, a little over 20 years. And at the same time, I was messing with chokes and started Carlson's Choke Tubes um, and got real lucky when I started. Um, we were just trying to develop chokes that extended, get better patterns out of them. Uh, and then I was able to hook up with a retailer that had almost 30 stores. And we figured out a way to package and merchandise our our product, which was big because back then, back in the early 80s when we were doing this, everybody sold choke tubes and pill bottles. I mean, mm-hmm. when you went into a gun shop, you asked them if they had chokes, and they probably had them under the counter or in the back room but they were definitely not out where people could get their hands on them because then they disappear. So we came up with a way to to rack them and, and packaging that hung on a display that you could put out in front of customers so you could actually get some sales on choke tubes. So And, and then we started extended, experimenting with extended chokes, you know, for better patterns for waterfowl hunters mainly. Do you remember your first um, original uh, choke that you made? Uh, most of those were all flush mount chokes, just for, you know, like your standard Remington 870, your Mossberg 500s. Um, you know, we identified right away that factory chokes weren't so hot. And, you know, even the flush mount chokes that we were making were outperforming the factory chokes. And, you know, then kind of got into extended chokes. Um, you know, back then there wasn't very many companies doing choke tubes, only two or three of us back then, so maybe four. Interesting. And so when you, you go to, you know, what's the process look like um, from pen to paper or from, I, you know, from your brain to selling a choke tube? Uh, what's that kind of look like? Well, are you talking on the manufacturing aspect or, or just coming up with a tube? Yeah, I would say uh, coming up with a tube. Yeah, well... The first thing that we have to do is, is we have to come up, you know, like when we worked with Federal, for instance, on their Black Cloud ammunition, and we wanted a choke that would shoot, you know, the ammo good. So what we do is we manufacture chokes anywhere from cylinder up to an extra full and maybe a little bit tighter uh, for smaller steel pellets. 
and then we go out with that gamut of chokes, probably eight or nine chokes, and we shoot five. I mean, it's kind of boring, really. It's you're shooting paper. Uh, the way we do it's electronically generated, so it's a lot easier than the way we used to do it. But you got to go out and shoot every one of those chokes with five rounds of ammunition and get an average of every one of those chokes of what they're doing with, you know, for instance, black cloud twos, black cloud double Bs, black cloud fours. And then you look at those eight or nine or ten different chokes that you're shooting with that ammo, and you pick out maybe the three or four higher percentage percentages at 40 yards, and then we go out and shoot those again. So if anybody's gone out and patterned a shotgun and put paper up on a board and shot it, you know you know how much time that takes, the time you spend. Well, imagine doing that, you know, five rounds out of each choke and then coming up, you know, counting all those pellets and then coming up, you know, with the top four and then going and doing it again so that you can come up with a constriction that will pattern the ammo, you know, the best it can be patterned. So, you know, that's what we like to tell our customers. We try to go out and do the homework so they don't have to, but they still need to pattern their shotguns. Right, right. And, um, you know, from some of your guys', uh, uh, so you've been working with Black Cloud a little bit, um, you know, does each different ammunition uh, kind of have its own, characteristics or you know what's the best way um for somebody like myself to okay i want this choke tube um or i want you know how do i go about that situation well and that's a great question so patterning you know you know if we had 20 people in this room that i was talking to and i asked them to raise and they were waterfowl hunters i asked them raise your hand how many of you patterned your shotgun I bet out of the 20 people, not 10 of them would raise their hands that they've ever patterned a shotgun. So I try to tell people, you know, it's kind of like going deer hunting. You put a scope on a rifle, and you don't go deer hunting. You go sight your rifle in. Well, you ought to do the same thing with a shotgun because there's a lot of things you need to find out about that gun before you go hunt. I mean, number one, you need to find out where does the gun shoot. In other words, at 40 yards off of a bench, in relationship to the dot you're shooting at at 40 yards, where does the center mass of the pattern hit on that paper? And I used to think every one of them would hit dead center. Well, that is entirely, that is not true. You know, we pattern a lot of shotguns. I've got a lot of shotguns in here in the shop, and I would say 80% of the guns that we shoot do not shoot point of aim. So that's one thing you're going to find out patterning, and you know, you've been with guys that say, well, I'm just not that good a shot. You know, when they go hunting, you know, maybe you outshot him. He said, eh, I've never been that good a shot. Well, he's maybe never been that good a shot because he's never patterned his gun. And if he did, he might find out that the gun doesn't shoot where he thinks he does. And that may seem hard to believe, but people out there listening will go do it. Some of the people listening are going to find out their gun's not shooting where they think it does. So, you know, that's a very important aspect of of hunting and, you know, and then finding out where that gun shoots, you know, then, you know, I tell people get two or three different types of ammunition that you think you want to use and maybe a couple of chokes and take it all out and shoot it, you know, together on the patterning board. 
yeah, it's boring, but once you have it figured out where the gun shoots, it'll shoot the same place with all different types of ammunition. And once you figure out the choke and load combination, you're way ahead of the game when you get to the field and you've got your ammo from then on and you've got the choke and you can hunt, you know, and you know exactly what your gun's doing. So I guess for some of the, uh, you know, newer uh, hunters out there or, you know, most of the hunters out there, as you said, you know, most people don't pattern their shotgun. Um, you spend a lot of time patterning. <laughs> uh, what What's some of the tips that you would say, okay, hey, this these are the things that you need um, to go out there to do it. Um, and like, what's, what are some things that can help a new hunter pattern their shotgun? Yeah, good question. And the main thing is, is patterning the shotgun. And, you know, guys, there's a lot of these targets out there that are like 12 inches wide and 18 inches tall. You know, those, those targets are great, but you know, there's guns out there that shoot eight inches high at 40 yards. So when you're shooting one of those smaller targets, a lot of your pellets go off the target and you can't see them or you can't find the center mass of where that gun's shooting. So I tell guys, take the tightest choke you have. You know, if you're patterning double Bs and the choke will allow you, like a full choke will allow you to shoot steel shot through it, ours will, shoot that at 40 yard with your double Bs and use at least a 30 or 40 inch piece of paper with a dot in the center of it so that when you shoot you can capture all those pellets so for instance if your gun's shooting high eight inches and left four inches you know you're going to capture those pellets even on the top corner of that paper with that size target and you're going to be able to figure out where the center mass of your pattern is and how far off your gun shoots if it does and then if you've got a high shooting gun is not a bad thing because a high shooting gun, and that's the way a lot of shotguns are set up, you can see your target on top of the sight, and then you're dead on. Whereas if you cover the target, you shoot high just like you do on the patterning board when you cover the dot. So, And, and I tell guys, hey, take a couple different brands of ammo out there and a couple different chokes and, and shoot the loads and the chokes together and see what the densest pattern is on the paper. I mean, that's what you're looking for. So the more pellets and the denser the pattern, um, you know, less likely for something to fly through it. I think the first time that I went out and patterned um, my shotgun, it was for, it was for turkey season, obviously. And uh, all I did was bring up a, um, just a big TV box that I had. Um, and then every time I would cover, recover it up with duct tape or masking tape, I should say, um, but so you're saying like a large target at 40 yards. Um, yeah. And then. And tur- turkey chokes are really good because I'll bet when you shot your turkey choke, I'll bet it didn't shoot point of aim. Now, maybe it did, but, you know, you, you might have saw it shot a little high left or low. But turkey chokes shoot so tight that they show you center mass, and center mass is where your gun is shooting. Yeah, I, I shoot a Browning BPS that my grandpa got for me when I was like 12. Um, yeah, great gun. Yeah, and that thing is, it's pretty close. Um, I think it shoots just a little bit high, but uh, there's no left or right on it, so that's really nice. Yeah, yeah, you didn't, the left and right's not good on a shotgun. So, <laughs> But, you know, that that's what, why you go out and pattern them. you gotta got to find that out. You know, is there something wrong with the gun? 
or does a gun shoot the way I want it to or the way I think it should shoot? Because if you know the answer to that question after you pattern when you're out there hunting and you mess a duck or a goose and you know it was within range, you should have killed it, you know what the problem was. It was you, you know. If you're out there and you're messing ducks and geese, you don't know why. I mean, you're probably not going to blame yourself. You're probably going to blame either the load or the choke, you know, because you don't know the answer to the question, you know. It's just like I went back when I started this, you know, you sight your deer rifle and you know it's an inch high at 100 yards. If you miss something at 100 yards, you know you miss. So right. if you, if you got all the variables covered, you know, it, it's a lot easier to answer the question that you're the one making the mistake and, and not a variable that you don't know. Sure. Um, are there any weather considerations um, when it comes to wind when you're out there patterning or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it depends on how much wind, but sure, yeah, sure. wind I, can make a difference. I've always wondered what, <laughs> you know, what amount of wind really matters to, uh, shot. Yeah, and that's maybe a question I can't answer because, <laughs> you know, we've never done any experimentation on that, but, um, you know, myself, I, I think a 15 to 25 mile an hour wind can make considerable difference, uh, considerable difference in your shot pattern as far as you know how it shoots on a calm day and how it shoots on a windy day because it's going to get pushed as it gets out there a given distance and how far that wind pushes it you know i can't answer and that's something hard to depict on a patterning board too because you can't keep constant wind going the correct direction always where you're patterning at but um it's definitely a consideration, and I'm sure there's some stuff out there if a guy looked on on wind and affecting patterns. But, you know, the main thing we do here, we develop chokes and we pattern test them with different ammunition, uh, different constrictions, and that that's the primary thing we do here and how we come up with, you know, the different type of steel shot chokes we have and turkey chokes. Geez, there's a gamut of new turkey ammunition out there that's, really really good stuff in the last five years or so that was never in the market before and it's i mean pattern super tight and you know just great loads yeah and when i when i first you know started getting into hunting and stuff and i started you know everybody can kind of conceptualize the you know what choke tubes do um bigger or tighter patterns um but I was explained to it that it's like um, having 100 people in a gymnasium and it's, um, you know, you have one door open. They're all going to, it's going to take a really long time for everybody to, to get out. Um, but it's, you know, it's going to be single filed uh, if, where if you have all four doors open, everybody can get out, um, anything like that. I was hoping maybe you could just kind of break it down elementary style, um, you know, how choke tubes constrict um, and control the release of uh, shot out of out of the end of a shotgun. Well, they control it by constriction. So, more open choke you have, such as a cylinder, is going to let a lot of shot out quickly because it's not constricted. But <clears throat> by the same token, it's not going to shoot it at distance. You know, so a cylinder choke may be a good. 20 to 25 yard choke when if you're hunting 
game, quail, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you've got skeet after that, which constricts a little bit more. A skeet choke will get you out maybe to 30 yards. Um, and then, then the chokes that everybody knows about is a IC, a mod, and a full. And, you know, again, the full choke being tight, more tightly constricted than the improved cylinder choke. An improved cylinder choke is a good 35-yard choke, a modified's a good maybe 45-yard choke, and then a full choke can get you out there to 60 yards. So mainly the way to change the pattern as far as the density and the amount of pellets is the amount of constriction you put into it. And that's why those turkey chokes, you know, like a full choke, is around 700,000 constriction, whereas a modified is 710. So it's only 10,000 difference in constriction, but it makes a big difference at 40 yards. Well, a turkey choke is 30 or 40,000 tighter than a full choke. So that kind of gives you an idea of how much tighter some of these turkey chokes are over, you know, what people are used to in their guns like IC, mod, and full. And now for, you know, us duck hunters out here, um, when it comes to steel, uh, I, I know that there are, you know, full chokes for steel and whatnot, but I was always told that I was never supposed to run my regular full chokes uh, with any steel in my shotgun. Yep, and you read your owner's manual. Right. So most factory choke tubes, that's correct. You can't shoot steel shot past a modified constriction. With most aftermarket chokes, and, and not all of them, but most of them, ours for sure, in our full choke, you can shoot steel shot. You know, there's some limitations, like on our full, we say you can shoot up to double B, and you can't shoot it faster than 1550. You know, you can shoot twos and shoot them 1700 feet per second through a full choke, but not the double Bs. You can only shoot them up to 1550. So with factory tubes, and that's why I say almost any aftermarket tube that you buy is better than a factory choke, because many people may not believe this, but it's true, none of the factories make their own choke tubes. So they source the chokes out, they try to get them done as cheaply as possible to keep the retail price of their shotguns down, and so that's why most aftermarket tubes are made out of better stainless steel you can shoot tighter constrictions with steel, and you get better patterns with steel, lead, or other type shot. Now, one question that I had, you know, we're talking about constriction. Um, that's very, you know, that's pretty simple to understand, you know, the tighter the, um, <laughs> the choke tube. But uh, what's the, you know, you see some of these choke tubes, you know, you look at some of them, they stick out an inch. They look at some of them, they stick out a quarter of an inch. What's the what's the length of the constriction have to do uh, within the choke tube? Well, that's that's another good question. So, to get the optimum pattern out of a choke, from what we have found in our testing and research, is you need a little over an inch of parallel or constricted area. So, for instance, like when you're shooting a, a Mossberg 500 choke that choke is about an inch and a half long. And the choke tapers from where the wad enters, it tapers until it hits up what we call the parallel section or choke section, and then it's directed out of the barrel. Well, in a Mossberg 500, that parallel section is about a half inch of choke section. On a Remington 870, a rim choke and a flush mount version, 
has about three-quarters of an inch of parallel or choke section. So when you extend a choke tube three-quarters of an inch and you add it to either the half inch that the flush mount choke has or the three-quarters of an inch that the flush mount choke has a parallel section, now you're up over that inch 100 thousandths that you need for the best pattern. And after that point, you can make them four inches long, and they won't pattern any better. So most of the time, if you can get three-quarters or an inch of parallel section, then you're going to be able to get the best possible pattern you can out of the choke tube. Okay, interesting. So um, talking about the selection of what you need, um, I think a lot of people definitely, um, especially duck hunters and, and goose hunters, uh, they look at it and they say, okay, I'm going to be shooting number twos or you know BB, and uh, I want to be able to stone cold kill these things at 40 to 50 yards. You know, I think is like a lot of people push out that way because um, everybody kind of wants to have extended range, uh, as it were. Um, what buyer's advice would you have to somebody that's looking for the right choke? Well, that's a great question, you know, and, and I really think that most waterfowl hunters over choke their shotguns. Uh, they, they shoot long range or extended chokes. Uh, when most of their their shots are maybe at 30 to 40 yards. So they, if they actually had a more open choke, like a mid-range choke for those type of shots or those type of days. So I tell guys, you know, there's a lot of two-packs out there you can buy that are good value because you save a little bit of money because you're buying two of them together. And I tell most people either to go to the field with a mid-range and a long-range choke or if you're hunting timber, and over water occasionally, use a close range and a mid-range choke and have those in your your bag so that, you know, waterfowl changes when you're out there hunting. I mean, you can go out to a pit or out to a blind that you use, and one day a mid-range is a great tube. You know, it's out to 45 yards and works great. The next day you go out there, it's a nice day, and nothing's coming in closer than 35 or 40 yards where your first shot is. And that mid-range kind of runs out of gas. So then you do need a long range. But I would say in most instances, most waterfowlers want to hunt, you know, where they can get a third shot off by 45 yards. And in most cases, a mid-range tube, you're much better served shooting that because it is more open and still will have a dense enough pattern at 40 or 45 yards. And then that's kind of the range you want to hunt, you know, or get waterfowl in. Yeah. Well, I was going to say is, you know, you're talking about short range, mid range and long range. Uh, what, what kind of distances are you using to describe these, uh, you know, short, mid and, and long? Yeah, or, or close range. So a close range tube is something like an IC. So, you know, out to 30 or 35 yards or maybe even a skeet style tube. We do a close range and a skeet in our cremator series, you know, for hunting and timber and stuff. But in those situations, you want to an open pattern so that when a, a mallard comes down through those trees, you don't want to be shooting, you know, uh, a really tight pattern at him and have the opportunity to hit a tree as it's headed to him if they're coming into timber or it's so tight that your aim was poor and you miss. So when you're shooting a close-range tube in those instances, it throws a wider pattern and you're going to hit your target. Um, you know, and then if you're hunting you know, 
out of a pit or your hunting, you know, where your shots are out to 45 yards, that mid-range tube works really good. It works in at 20 yards, too, and still gives you a wide enough pattern that, you know, you're going to be able to hit something with it. And then, you know, and you can do the same thing with a full choke. You know, if you're a, or a long-range tube, if you're an excellent shot, but, you know, most of us aren't. Most of us aren't out shooting shotguns all the time. We do it in the fall time, and then we lay off most of the summer. But uh, So those tighter chokes are for longer ranges and, you know, out to 60 yards. And, you know, to know exactly what they do with the loads that you're using, is that's why it's so important to get out and pattern your shotguns. But I think for most guys that hunt waterfowl, a mid-range tube is far better than a long-range tube unless you're a pass shooter. Right, right. I, we have I have one buddy and he'll know who he is when we uh, when we hear this is he's always that third shot miraculous like can't believe you hit the you know on you know on your third shot but uh, can't hit the fifteen yarders uh, for nothing so thinking he's probably got a long range in yeah and you know he could be over choked and you know another thing that may help him is you know put the gun on paper you know that. That answers your question. If you shoot that long-range tube, you know, if you think most of your shots are within 35 yards, you know, put up a patterning paper at 30 yards and shoot an extended-range tube at it and a mid-range tube at it with the load you want to use or a couple different loads you want to see which one you want to use and see what your pattern looks like because that right there answers your question. You know, the the proof's in the pattern, and, and that's why you pattern shotguns. Yeah. Now, uh, over there at Carlson, do you guys work with all sorts of uh, ammunition, or do you guys just select a couple? No, we, you know, we we try to work with across the board with all ammunition manufacturers, and the reason we do that is because of our customers. I mean, when you look at our our choke selections, we manufacture over twenty four hundred different SKUs of chokes, which cover just about every type of ammo anybody can go out and buy. So when a customer calls in, you know, and he's shooting a certain type of ammunition, it does him a disservice if, if we're only shooting four or five different kinds of ammunition. So, you know, we try to shoot a gamut of ammo, maybe even stuff people haven't heard of that's available out there, just so we can answer customer questions or get a hold of the ammo ahead of time and get it patterned with the chokes so that we know when they do call us on the ammo, we know what to direct them at as far as a, a constriction or a choke type. Right. And, you know, I think a lot of uh, budget hunters are really susceptible to the uh, week by week, whatever's cheapest at Walmart or Dick's or, or whatever their, um, you know, <clears throat> local store is. Uh, do, you guys ever, do you have ever any issues with uh, people, you know, they shoot a bunch of different ammo throughout the entire year. Um, what's your What's your thoughts on on that? Well, and there's, you know, everybody's got a budget, you know. Um, but again, if you're buying low end ammo or high end ammo, go pattern it. You know, if it's low end ammo and it don't pattern good, there's a reason it's low end ammo. So, I guess the answer to that question is is if you see it doesn't pattern good. Is, is that what you're looking for in the field? You know, more cripples, more misses. You know, I, I think most of us want 
when we go hunting, we want to have a good experience. And if we shoot at something, we want to hopefully have the opportunity to harvest it. Um, so again, you got to go out and pattern that stuff. And, and sometimes a low end ammo, you know, shoots good through chokes. And sometimes it doesn't, I mean, there's a reason they're generally lower end loads. They're either reduced powder charges, uh, reduced ounces of shot or different wads. Right. And all of those can affect your, your pattern. But if you put them on paper, um, you know, that'll tell you the story. I mean, just like with your rifle, if you for instance, if you had your rifle sighted in a 243 and you got it sighted in with 80 grain bullets at a hundred yards and you go to the store and you buy hundred grain bullets, are you going to go recite it in or just go shoot it and figure it's going to shoot a little different? Right. Right. If you want to get a deer, you better go make sure it's shooting where you, you <laughs> think it does. But, and there is some ammo out there too. It's like I said, you know, you know, we all have budgets. You know, what do you have to spend on ammo? Ammo is one of the smaller costs of your hunt if you look at everything else. Yeah. And there are ammos out there that are better because of either weight of the pellet or shape of the pellet that give you more knockdown. So with those types of ammunitions, you can shoot smaller pellets, get the same knockdown of, say, say a two, you can shoot a two and get the knockdown of a double B and kick your payload up 30 or 40 percent. Well, what's that equate to? Well, kicking a payload up 30 or 40 percent, if it's patterning good, it's, you know, more pellets on target. I mean, you're going to hit more of what you're shooting at. Right, right. Uh, is there any, you know, sp- specific uh, combinations, I, I guess, uh, that you would not recommend, but are there, like, um, any issues with wads? Because, uh, you know, the, you always hear about these different types of, oh, those wads get hung up a lot in those extended chokes and uh, things of that nature. I know that I've I've heard a little bit of that from the, you know, the duck blind, uh, oh, what would you call him? The, the guy that's out there that thinks he's the professional and knows about all this stuff saying, oh, you can't shoot those, the wads get hung up, things like that. Yeah, and, and that goes back to uh, Pattern Master and Black Cloud and the flight control wad. So with our porting and our chokes, it does not affect the wad. So it doesn't matter what type of Black Cloud ammo you had. If you had the old Black Cloud ammo with the flex control wad or you have the new Black Cloud ammo with the flex wad, with our ported chokes, you can shoot those type of loads through there. With the old Black Cloud and the Pattern Master with the flight control wad, Pattern Master tries to put a wad stopper or does put a wad stopper inside the, the choke. That's what they call it. And so what was happening is the fingers off of those flight control wads were hitting those wad stoppers, and sometimes those would stop the wad, and when you fired the next round, then you swell your choke or your barrel. So uh, that is true with... With that brand of chokes, you don't anything with something wad stopping inside of it. I would say not to use a flight control wad in. Okay. Yeah, I was, you know, I always wondered about that with, you know, all this different is if there's just some stuff out there that just is not compatible with each other. Yeah, and there's not too many other wads that I'm familiar with anyway that would allow you not to shoot them through a ported choke tube. I mean, there's. The flight control wad was the first one. 
and and they didn't even claim that to start with, but I think they saw with with that choke pattern master with the wad stoppers in there, and then uh, Federal identified that you know they were hanging up on the wads and they were holding them in the choke sometimes, and so they just told people don't shoot them through any ported choke. Well, if you don't have anything inside the choke to catch the fingers off the wad, it's going to travel through the choke and not be caught. So. Gotcha. So, um, okay, we, we talked back a little bit about, you know, you starting the company, but where's the company at now? And, uh, you know, how to get there? Well, the, the company has expanded a lot. Cause when we started this, there was a couple of us, and now there's well over 20 of us. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of different SKUs. Like I said, in the last just five years alone, there's been so many new ammos come out with a hypersonic loads with all the new turkey loads the the new tungsten loads and um so anyway when all those loads are coming out you know now you got a bismuth load out too you know we're scrambling to do chokes to shoot the ammunition to figure out you know what chokes pattern these loads the best or you know what do we have to do inside the tube to make them pattern better um so we're always you know, patterning ammo, looking at new ammunition that's coming out because, you know, they go hand in hand. The ammunition goes hand in hand with the choke tubes. And and the only way you can figure out, you know, in your gun, because bore diameters and shotguns vary too, but the only way you can figure out in your gun what a choke and load are doing is go out and pattern it. What we try to do is design a choke that's going to pattern different loads and do the homework so that when you call us, and tell us that you're going to use a number two, whatever kind of ammunition it is, and, you know, you want to know what patterns are going to be at, you know, 30 or 40 yards, you know, we can answer the question, or we have the choke available to make your job easier. Just go out and pattern it with the ammo and make sure the gun's shooting where it's supposed to. So you, you just can't make chokes and, and not address the ammunition that's coming out because they don't all shoot the ammunition the same. Right. So, you know, when it comes to so ammunition, you, you guys really have to keep your, your finger on that pulse on the market. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's turkey loads, uh, waterfowl loads, or, you know, there's trap loads get changed a lot. You know, and you asked me earlier about, you know, buying shells inexpensively. I think most people would be surprised if they took some different trap loads out and shot them at 35 yards and laid the paper down, look at the density of some of those. I'm not saying all low-end shells are not going to shoot well, but generally there's a reason if there's a lower price why the price is lower. That That's not always true, but um, sometimes in ammunition it is because we see it. But Again, patterning will answer that, and, and sometimes trying a different load if you don't like a pattern, you know, you might see something better in your pattern than what you did with the lower end price point stuff. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, you know, where, uh, you know, does being a, uh, uh, owner of, uh, Carlson's choke tubes, uh, do you get to hunt much anymore or what? Well, that was the other bad thing. I should have got into fishing lures. <laughs> then I could have hunted all fall and got the fishing stuff going in the spring, but you know, Anymore, our season runs almost from September, uh, clear back around till 
the middle of May, you know, with turkey season. So, you know, it doesn't give us a lot of time to get out and hunt. But fortunately, with the business, we meet a lot of people that are hunters. And a lot of times we get invited to, to good spots to go hunt. So I guess that's one of the advantages. But, you know, there's some disadvantages too. But Yeah. Have you been on any we, good we waterfowl hunts this year? Uh, not this year yet. I mean, I've been out a few times, but haven't gone to any destinations or anything. So, uh, generally after the first of the year, uh, we get after geese and we get a lot of, we're not too far up here from the Platte River. So there's some terrific waterfowl opportunities up there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, what are some of the most, uh, commonly asked questions or concerns that you get from customers? Well, a lot of the questions we get are just on patterning. You know, it's mainly educating, and we have videos out now on patterning shotguns. And, you know, customers want us to answer their questions for them of why the load's not patterning tighter or why the choke's doing this or why their gun's shooting where it is. Or, they, you know, they need to get out on the patterning board, shoot the choke and the loads together that they want to use, you know, we try to direct them, you know, in what we think when they tell us what the ammo is that we have. But, you know, most of the questions we get are patterning questions. Just yeah, ton, tons of patterning questions because people just, they don't pattern their shotguns. So, um, yeah. big, big mistake. You know, I mean, I, I do these interviews once in a while or I, I do question and answers with people. And, I mean, I just... It just amazes me that people, I mean, a lot of these guys are habit hunter, long-time hunters, never, ever patterned a shotgun. So, you know, there's a lot of shotguns out there that shoot point aim, too. Um, so you may be one of the lucky guys and got one of those, and you never have any trouble switching chokes. You just always had good luck, and your gun shoots where it's supposed to. But sometimes if you're one of those guys that thinks they should be hitting more targets, you know, good chance that something with your load, your choke, or your gun's not right. So, yeah, that's why it's so important. Well, do you guys have any uh, anything exciting coming up? Uh, well, we've got a lot of shows coming up this spring. You know, we got Shot Show kicking off here the middle part of January, and then we're out there, you know, in ten or eleven other shows, meeting with our dealers, um, and you know, we're working on some new chokes. Uh, for turkeys this spring, we're going to have some new TSS chokes out. We've had a long beard tube out here for a couple of years now that, that's a really good choke tube. These new TSS loads uh, where you're shooting nines and sevens at turkeys, you know, mm. uh, 10 years ago we would have said, no, you, you couldn't shoot nines or sevens at turkeys, but, boy, this stuff will go through things. It's it's hard. It's harder than lead, and it's it's really a good product that that's out there for turkey hunting. So anyway, we've got some new chokes for that stuff coming out. So, you know, we're always looking at new products, new loads, and 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 getting ahead of our our customers so that we got it when they go looking for it. Awesome, awesome. Well, yeah. Where can um, I? I think it's pretty silly. You guys are at carlsonschoketubes.com, right? Um, yep. Or you can just go to choketube.com. Choketube. You got that one. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you guys have uh, Facebook. Uh, you guys have an Instagram? Yes. Yep. Facebook, Instagram. 
whole nine yards. But Well, not that I use all that. I'm old school, so that's <laughs> yeah. why I've got some good people around here that help take care of. That's right, that's right. Well, uh, is there any uh, parting words you'd like to, to leave the listeners with? No, I mean, I, I think the most important thing on, on shooting shotgun shells and choke tubes and shotguns is go out and pattern your shotgun. And um, anybody that's got a question on it or a, a problem, you know, we back our product with a lifetime warranty, and there's a reason we do that. So we believe in what we've done and that it works, and we're here and happy to answer your questions. All right. There's one final thing I, I usually ask most uh, most guests is, okay, you only get to go hunting uh, one more time. Uh, where are you going to go? Uh, who are you going with? What are you hunting? And uh, what's it what's it like? Well, I I tell you, it doesn't get much better than going on a duck hunt or a goose hunt in a pit uh, with four or five of your good friends and and spending the day out there hunting. So I. I think if I probably had to do a hunt, it would probably be a, a waterfowl hunt, um, you know, with four or five good friends, probably be up on the Platte River. Uh, anyway, that, that, that's my idea of a, a good hunt. But, you know, there's a lot of good hunts out there, turkey, deer, you know, it don't matter as long as you're out in the woods having a good time uh, with your family or friends, it, it don't get no better than that. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, hey, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time out of your day to uh, explain to us a little bit about choke tubes and uh, patterning and uh, letting us get a little inside look on uh, Carlson's choke tubes and uh, just appreciate it. You bet, Ben. It's been a, uh, appreciate the opportunity and I uh, enjoy talking to you. Absolutely. All right, you have a great day. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fowl Front Waterfowl Podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the Fowl Front Waterfowl Podcast group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great, great grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, We also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. And if you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like. And we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners. So, all right. Stay safe out there and we will see you next week. Hey, you ever been sitting in front of your TV just wondering why you can't catch the latest episode of The Foul Front right there in your living room so you can press all your guests and family with your fine taste and podcast listening? Me neither, but hey, as a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, you can now find The Foul Front and some other great podcasts on your Apple TV, your Roku, your Amazon Fire Stick, Smart TV, even your gaming console just by downloading the Waypoint app. And heck, while you're there, they got over 2,500 hunting and fishing shows on demand. Go download the Waypoint app today. 
you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.